game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. <laughs> Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Holloway to the blue line, Probert to McLeod, out to Holloway, scores! Dylan Holloway with a one-time blast in the high slot. The Edmonton Oilers are back in the win column on home ice as they sink the New York Islanders tonight. 4-2, Dylan Holloway's goal in the second period turns out to be the game winner. Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, and Hyman also scored. Connor McDavid got a couple of assists. He's now up to 500 career assists. And Jack Campbell makes 20 saves as the Oilers improve to 21-17-2 on the season. Now 10-11-1 at home. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 9.57 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. We are in Studio 99 for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, first period to me, the, the key to this game. I mean, a lot of times... You talk about le- plays late in games that decide them or whatever. Not not for me tonight. Uh, I mean, the Oilers just swapped the Islanders in the first period, got a goal in the power play, got a goal shorthanded, outshot them 18-4. to four. And, yes, the Islanders had some moments, but they were playing catch-up the entire night. Yeah, this was that was as good a period as the Oilers have played all season long and one that they needed. They talked about uh, after last game they weren't happy. They had a players-only meeting. And they came out and let their play do the talking. And they were fantastic through the first 20. Went a long way into winning this hockey game. Here's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. Pulled the game right from the drop of the puck. Uh, and we're able to finish it out. So it was a good team win. They pushed back a bit. And maybe in that 2-1 moment, like what's your team going to do in that moment when they're getting pushed? What did you like about what you saw after that goal? Well, I think, you know what, I think I, we have a lot of really proud people in our dressing room. And uh, I saw them come together and play hard for each other. A real team win. And, um, you know, I think we have a mature group. Nobody was happy with uh, not closing some games out here on this uh, homestand. And um, it's a credit to our players because the talk on the bench was great. And they went out and executed. So it was feather in their cap. When a, when a team has a players meeting and then you're coaching them and they've had this meeting and they've challenged each other, which usually happens in those meetings, uh, what's a coach do coming out of that? What meeting are you talking about? The players have been talking about having this meeting yesterday. <laughs> I wasn't in it, so I don't know, I, I don't know if, if, I that's question, they, if that's what they told you. Yeah, that's what they said. My question would be, do you coach a little bit less or do you coach more? Uh, How does it affect you as a coach? You know what? I think um, if that's what happened and they had one, I no one told me that spec. So, uh, but if that's the case, um, I think it speaks to what we're talking about. I think we have a lot of proud individuals in our dressing room, um, individuals who, you know, in this last ten-game segment, we were four-four and two. But realistically, we know we could have more wins on the board uh, than just four-four and two. Seven and three before that, but four, four and two in this ten. Um, for me, we got proud people. We got great pros, and um, you know they understood. I believe that 
there's nothing they could do to change what happened on that, that game stand other than learn the lessons that were taught us. And in the end, they're proud people who played hard for each other and uh, found a way to win a game. Is this, as Zach Hyman said, it's great to play well. We played well tonight. We're happy with the game. It's about what we do from here. It's about stringing a few of these together. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. You know what? We went into today with the mindset of winning the day. That's all we can do. And I've said this ad nauseum here for a long time. Um, but you're... You can only take care of the business that's immediately in front of us. We can't change what's this ha what has happened so far. We have the ability to string a good day uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's a rest day. It's an off day. So making sure that we rest properly and prepare for our game coming up against the Stanley Cup champions, the team that eliminated us from the playoffs last year. Is it an opportunity to build something? Yeah, it is. We've had that opportunity other times this year as well that... Um, we haven't capitalized in the way we wanted. Again, I go back to the segments. I think we were seven and three in the first, three and seven in the next, seven and three in the next, four, four and two. We feel we've left some points on the table through the first 40 games. Can't control that. What we can control is learning those hard lessons. You mentioned the playing the Stanley Cup champions. They're kind of struggling right now and you aren't where you would like to be. Uh, it's still interesting though when you play a team that you played in the Final four for the very first time. Yeah, it's a hard league, isn't it? It's the best league in the world. I think uh, if you look at the teams that played in the final four, um, that played deep, uh, sometimes it takes them a while to get up to full steam. I think each team has... Uh, different stories to their year. I know for us, uh, we've lost some key pieces. We lost key pieces for long periods of time. The the not it it not being a smooth sail i think there's positives to it i think that's where teams come together and play hard for each other i think um you also find some players and uh you know when you're when you're dealing with injuries and one of the things that i think we found here is a couple players um, and when you find some players what it means is, is it's real competitive to get in the lineup and uh, when there's competition, I think it brings the best out of everybody. And how do you think Broberg's moving along? Excellent. How do you play? Yeah, excellent. Might have been his best game in a, in a while. Yeah, you know what? I, I think um, Philip is a very subtle player. Uh, I think when you're not talking about him, um, sometimes that's a good thing for a young D-man finding his way. Um, I feel good when he's on the ice. I th think his best asset are his legs. Uh, I think he has the ability to spin off checks and create separation because he's such a good skater. Um, I think he does some things uh, at blue lines and red lines where we want to contest those areas. He's, uh, you know, he's a young man that is able to, um, to execute. And I think uh, the more experience he gets in the National Hockey League, the better a player he's going to be. I think he's going to be a really good player for us for a long, long time. He just has to string a number of games together yep. without, he's had some injury situations which yeah. is serious, but he just can't seem to get the traction to just keep playing and playing and playing. And you know what, part of it too, Jim, is his year has been a little bit different. Um, you know, he, he had an injury. Um, he had an injury in Bakersfield. Uh, he came up, and I thought 
when he came up in New York was at a critical juncture for our team. He helped us weather the storm of all the injuries that we had. Our team put together a decent record with all the injuries. And then he got hurt through no fault of his own. And uh, so his first, from September until January, he's had to deal with three different injuries and fluke injuries, not not uh, not ones that are typical. And so for a young man um, to weather that stuff while he's learning the league and getting better every game, I think it's a credit to him and the coaching staff and his teammates have full faith in Philip Roberg. I know they're talked about a lot, but tonight Leon Dreisaitl recorded his 400th career assist. Connor McDavid recorded his 500th career assist. Just watching these players develop over the last several years, what can you say about them and how they've been able to just rack up these numbers? Yeah, I mean, I said this uh, a little while ago. Sometimes it's hard to come up with the phrases to describe it. It's a credit to them, their longevity, their talent, and what they don't get credit enough for is the work that goes into uh, achieving those numbers. But what I know about them is, um, you know, they're great teammates and, and uh, they want to win. Why do you think Costin was be able to take the opportunity that he got tonight and maybe not look nervous with it and kind of do his thing. Why, why do you think he was able to do that? I think he was waiting for it. Um, I think he's a pedigreed player. So he's a first-round draft pick, uh, was a national team player for his country. Um, he's somebody that played in a high level over in the KHL, uh, received good coaching over there. Um, it didn't work out for him in St. Louis, but he, he has a pedigree of, of um, you know, maybe one day achieving a top-six role uh, on a team. I think what I really like about him is the the story of his season, the story for him. And I think it's a good example for other people in our organization because I think what you want to make sure is that you're ready when you get tapped on the shoulder. I think that's the biggest thing. It's hard sometimes to wait in the bullpen, so to speak, and wait for that chance. Um, but I look at Clemsier, gets traded to a new organization where nobody really... Um, you know, nobody up here knew much about him other than watching a little bit of film. He has a good impression in Bakersfield. He takes advantage of an opportunity when a top six forward gets hurt in Evander Kane. Him and Janmark come up, and um, he slowly worked his way up the lineup. I didn't did not foresee this, um, but I pride myself and our coaching staff prides ourselves on making sure that we're making real-time decisions based on information that players give us so for for Klim good for Klim good for Klim because he didn't come in starting out playing in uh, 20 minutes a game he's made the most of his opportunities he still had some hiccups here and there and he gets dialed back a little bit in his ice time but uh, he's a wonderful kid he has a great personality he's a popular teammate somebody who sticks up for his teammates and he has an element that I don't know that we have a lot of here which is that he's six foot three and 225 pounds and goes to hard areas so I'm happy for him personally, um, you know, and he's trying to make the most of that opportunity.
you guys didn't give up a ton, but when there was some some stuff, Jack Campbell seemed to kind of have it solidified for you. Maybe he needs nights like that, and it was good for him. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you asked the question this morning, Ryan, or not, but uh, we talked about, you know, him coming in the way he did in the Seattle game. It was just, um, you know, the team was, uh, you know, not in a great spot. He came in and he helped solidify the team. Uh, there's side benefits to that. One of that is, is that he just went into the game and just played. And I think sometimes for guys that maybe haven't played as much as they're used to, like that's a good thing. He came in, he felt good about himself, and I think as much as I don't think there's a lot of team carryover, sometimes there's individual carryover about how well you did in the previous game. I think that set himself up. He's a popular teammate, team first guy, Everybody in there is super happy for him um, because he put in a good game. But I would agree with you. What was the final shot total? I, I don't I don't know it. I didn't see a sheet. 22 against. So in the last three games, we've given up 63 shots. I think. I think. We do that. I think it's a recipe for success going forward. Um, you know, you look at the games we've won post Christmas and what we've given up. I think that's uh, conducive um, to try and win multiple games in a row. Good. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. A 4-2 win over the New York Islanders. He was at the mic for Eclipse Restoration. Named one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a row. Call 780-250-HELP or visit Eclipse247.ca. So he touched on a few things there, including Clem Costin, who... Plays with Connor McDavid 5-on-5 five five tonight. Plays 13-0-3. Gets a shot on goal. Credited with four hits. So that move, the quick change for Jiffy Loop. Keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Loop today. A lot of players have played with Connor McDavid over the years. Some not for very long. No, we don't know how this is going to go for Costin. Depending on the success of the team. The success of the line. Health of other players. But how did you think he looked tonight? Uh, I thought he looked good. Uh, what I liked about him is the fact that he didn't seem overwhelmed by the situation. Some guys get put in that position. They feel they have to get outside of their zone and do something different. He didn't. He played his game. He was physical, got pucks in deep. There it is funny. In the first period, there was two different shifts where he was front net, uh, net front presence, and the puck went down low, and he kicked out for the one-timer. And I'm like, okay, you don't see a lot of third and fourth liners do that on the Edmonton Oilers or most teams they just stay in front of the net and they try to muck one in but he saw the situation he moved out which shows he understands the game and knows how to play in a skilled situation uh, nothing went in for him but I I thought he was fine and he does bring a physical aspect to the game Now I don't know if he's going to be uh, a long-term player in the top six but he's earned ice time yeah and He's a guy that when everyone is healthy here, you're going to find him ice time, whether it's in your third line, be a strong fourth line guy. He's a guy, and as Jay just said, he brings an element to the game that the Oilers don't have a whole lot of, especially in their bottom six. Big, physical, mean, nasty. Their top six is physical. Connor and Leon are physical. Evander Kane is physical. Hyman plays a physical game not by hitting, by being involved. So their top six is fine. 
It's their bottom six that you don't get a whole lot out of. But Costin has been physical. Holloway has been physical, and who had a, he had a really good game today. So the Oilers are starting to find pieces to make them a better all-round hockey club. Costin is one of those big pieces. I like how you mentioned that, making himself available for shots. There are some offensive instincts there. Yep. But he also credited with four hits. Still, I mean, took a couple hits, but went and yep. gave a couple back as well. And we've seen players sometimes through injuries or sometimes when the orders just didn't have anybody else. We've seen players get promoted to play with Big David who have been physical players, and then they've stopped hitting. Yep. It's almost as if, well, I'm on a line with Connor. I guess now I, I razzle-dazzle and and get him the puck, and, and I'm as fancy as him. But, I mean, it's good that Costin recognized I'm clean costing. This is this is what I do, regardless you, of what line I'm on. You got to understand who you are as a player and, and stay true to it. They they're not asking you to change. They're giving you more ice time, more responsibility, but they're doing it because of what you've been doing, not what they hope you can do. So uh, he was good tonight. Uh, it's hard to find fault in any of the Oilers players tonight. This was a very good game for the whole team. Well, and you mentioned Holloway gets his second goal of the season. Really good shift there leading up to that goal from that entire line it, it was I thought that was the best I've seen McLeod play in a long long time and he and Holloway had some chemistry they a couple of really good chances Holloway tried repaying uh, McLeod with a, a one-timer of his own uh, Sorokin made a really nice save I don't think he actually saw it I think McLeod just hit the the pad but they they created chances McLeod was good but Holloway that was an excellent game for Dylan Holloway involved physically whether it's hitting going hard to the net being hit and then the goal he scored that shows the kind of top six skill he has he may not be top six now but he's going to be he put himself in a shooting area he put himself in a quiet spot away from the defender and when you go up that high to take a one-timer he knows he's got the ability to put the puck in the net and that was an absolute bomb from just inside the blue line dylan holloway is our fourth star tonight for jandell homes alberta's premier modular home retailer the three stars mcdavid number one dry number two and kyler yamamoto number three and uh, yamamoto gets a shorthanded goal so big play for him i, I thought he was pretty good uh, overall tonight. I mean, he got an opportunity. I mean, he, him and Drysaddle always seemed to be pretty good. And, and he, I thought especially in probably the first half of the game, that, and, and Bob referenced it too, as much as Connor McDavid's the number one player, the number one scorer, and nothing against, again, you know, Costin was up there. But when you had... Uh, uh, and Yamamoto was up there, so he had a good game. But then you had the dry settle Nugent Hopkins Hyman line, and that really was that's that was, really the Oilers' number one line. That was their best line. Guys, it wasn't yeah. their best player, but it was their best line. Uh, going back to Yamamoto for a bit, he's a guy who has not had a strong year offensively. Uh, snake bit. I don't think he's played up to what he's capable of playing. And a lot of times, when a any goal scorer, not just a young goal scorer, any goal scorer goes through a drought. They they fight it a little bit. They think too much. Their hands get a little jittery. I give him credit. On the goal he scored, that was a wonderful play. The patience that he had. Uh, he's coming down there. He's got McDavid. I give him the puck and get an assist that way. Or I've got a chance. I can shoot right now. I haven't had a goal forever. I'm going to put the puck on net. But he outweighed the defenseman. He toe-dragged it around the stick and put it in my favorite place. He went five-hole on the goaltender. That's a great place to shoot. So I give credit to Yamamoto having the patience in a trying year to put that kind of goal together. Yeah, look, I've seen the replay that it looked like Sorokin was thinking pass yep. too because it looked like he just lifted up his stick just a little bit and then the puck went underneath him and you could see him kind of do the goalie 
throw his head back a little bit like oh seriously yeah, he actually puts it's, that there's there. not much room there but if you can hit that five hole there's all it's always open always open has to be a good shot Yamamoto made a good shot Oilers win at 4-2 so two, just to circle back to the first period uh, two nothing yep maybe flattered the Islanders oh absolutely shots for 18-4 was that the Oilers came out with some energy maybe a burn their saddle and the Islanders looked, it looked like their brains were maybe still back in, in Vancouver where they won big a couple nights ago I, I think it was both I think the Oilers came out with energy and they had more urgency in their game you could see it in their four check uh, I don't think the Islanders were very good they, they couldn't make a five-foot pass they fanned on a couple shots. They flubbed on a couple pucks they were trying to get out. So the combination was just like a whirlwind, and the Oilers just continued to press. Uh, it's not the first time that the Islanders have been caught in their own zone for long extended period of times against the Oilers. The Oilers dominated them in New York. They just couldn't beat the goaltender. Uh, the, Islanders, uh, the Islanders are a team I don't think, I, I haven't seen them play enough, but they don't seem to be a team that's going to chase a lot of games very well. They don't have... A lot of offensive players. I think Barzell, to me, doesn't look like the same player I saw a couple of years ago in Barzell. Uh, so it's a team that they need. If they get a lead, they got a fantastic goaltender. They got some really good defense, and that Noah Dobson is going to be a, a stud in this league. But once they started chasing the game, they got themselves into trouble. But to me, it's just the Oilers came out with a mindset. You know, we're going forward today. We're going north, north-south. We're not going to go east-west in this game. We're going to put pucks in deep and and forecheck them. And the Oilers are at their best when their puck retrieval is on display and it was tonight every time there was a puck in a corner they won that race to the corner whether offensive end or defensive end the others were very good at puck retrievals which allowed them to create more and more scoring opportunities 4-2 the oilers win it well the islanders hit we know that given some of the the, the hits tonight 44 25 <laughs> in favor of the islanders that's a that's a ton of hits now there's always some of that if you don't have the puck a lot, which they didn't in mm -hmm. the first period, the hits are going to pile up. But as you would expect, Matt Martin gets to seven hits. Cal Clutterbuck gets to seven hits. The defenseman, Ryan Pulak, got to seven hits. And there was a great soundbite in the first period. The puck got dumped in, and Niemelainen's going back. And Mooner paused for a sec. Niemelainen going back to get it. And Bob says, he's going to get hit. And, and Niemelainen played the puck, yep. rimmed it around, and Martin fit. And, oh. and a lot of forwards don't finish like that anymore, right? The mentality is a little different. It's like, okay, don't don't hit and get caught out of position. But Martin was like, nope. <laughs> well, that it's funny. Zizekas is usually with Martin and Clutterbuck, and he wasn't tonight. Zizekas has moved up in the lineup. I don't know if they have injuries, but normally that fourth line is as physical a line as you see in the National Hockey League. Clutterbuck and Martin do not pass up a hit. They just don't. There's one in the second period. Bouchard passed the puck before Martin got to him. But so Martin just took an extra three steps and still pushed Bouchard. And it wasn't a, a vicious push, but Martin's a big man, and Bouchard went flying. Uh, Clutterbuck's goal was all created. He finished the check on CeCe behind the net. And CC took a second or two to get back in front. Clutterbuck ended up being open and scored backdoor open net. So the physicality of that line is huge. Uh, you're, you're not going to out-hit them. You sometimes can just play in your, get in their offensive zone and make them play defense. Not as much hitting in your own zone. The wingers don't hit as much. So if you don't want hit to get hit by Clutterbuck and or Martin, don't play in your zone. Play in their zone because then they're a lot less effective. The Oilers win at 4-2. That's a $400 donation to 630 Chet Centers Anonymous from James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. $100 every time the Oilers score. The total for the season, 14000 
200. You can get us at 780-496-0063. That is the hotline for CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. Back in a couple of minutes, Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Love of Bullock, and he was able to get it up the right wing to Freezy into the Oiler end, cuts through the middle. He'll shoot it, saved by Campbell, and he's going to hold on to it with 9.09 to go in the second period. Jack Campbell, the winning goaltender tonight, 20 stops. That's his save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. The final, Edmonton Oilers 4, New York Islanders 2. Down to the dressing room. Here's Campbell. You know, home ice has been a focus. It's just nice to sort of have the whole team put a game like that together, yourself included, and, and grab one at home. Yeah, it's huge for it. Been, you know, you got to be good on home ice. And, uh, you know, we met yesterday, and uh, it's a big, big game for us. And the guys responded well and uh, made two points. What do you think most was pulled out of that meeting you guys had and applied tonight? Basically, it's just time to do it, you know, uh, myself included. You know, it's... Uh, excuse it's just, just time to do it and that's what we did tonight and we got to keep that going when you have that meeting you put some pressure on yourself you know from the inside it's it does it put you in a position where like you say it's time to show up the next day and, yeah i mean there's always pressure especially when you get to this level of, on yourself you know you know myself included you know i want to be great every night and um, yeah that's the best part about having this job is um, you know we get the opportunity to go out and, and try to do that so all right, a little bit there from Jack Campbell, who gets the win as the Oilers beat the Islanders 4-2. Uh, so just to get back to those shots, Rob, the shots were 38-22 for the Oilers. They had 49 against Sorokin on November 23rd. So they, I wrote down, they finally scored on the 62nd shot. So, so 49 plus uh, 87 shots in, in two games. So Sorokin still stopped 83 out of 87. I set the line for River Creek Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it at 32 and a half. Saves for Sorokin tonight. So he gets to 34. It is over. So Tyler wins the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. But early on in this game, I was thinking, are, are they going to get one? Because they were all over them. Their first power play, the puck was around the crease the entire time. Well, it, it actually took them to score a goal when Sorokin didn't have his hockey stick because his stick was behind the net when Leon put it past him. He played about 35 seconds without a stick as it got dislodged during a bit of a scramble. He was good. He was very good. Unfortunately, the team in front of him was not for the first 20-some minutes of this hockey game and put themselves in a big hole. And when they get into a hole, they start taking chances. When you take chances, you give up bigger and bigger opportunities. But he's good. That is a very good goaltender. Uh, for this team, the Islanders, to win, they're a team that's going to win 2-1 games, 3-2 games. And they're in a dogfight in their conference as well. As, uh, there's a lot of teams right around that last couple spots in the wild card and that's where they've been hanging around too just as the Oilers have so it, this is the fun part of the season it's the dog days of January and February but with the way that the teams are kind of log jam in the wild card spots you've got teams you'd expect to be much higher the Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche two teams you would have thought would be safely in playoff spots both fighting it out for a wild card spot and we get to see those two teams go at it two days from now 
So the Oilers played 11 forwards and 7 defense in terms of the lineup. Nima Linen only played 306. Was credited with two hits. Um, you know, Pooley Arvey only played 901 tonight. He struggled uh, tonight. This wasn't one of his stronger games. Um, so 11 and 7, I guess, in in theory, if not in practice, given how, uh, how little Nima Linen played. But we've seen Woodcroft do this before, mm -hmm. uh, fairly successfully at times last year. The player who scratched those Warren Fogel who, you know, was, was injured, came back, got a look with Dreisaitl, scored a couple of big goals, uh, but he gets scratched tonight. And, I mean, that's that's significant because when he was acquired, it's like he's going to be a, a top-nine player. Well, he was acquired to play like Clem Costin. That's what they expect out of Warren Fogle, the, a guy that plays with a, some uh, abrasiveness, that goes hard to the net, that he'll score when given the opportunity, but they want a guy that's hard, on the ice, hard in the corners, hard at the blue lines, hard in front of the net, and it's a message being sent. Say, all right, well, we got these guys are going to play ahead of you. We're actually going to play a defenseman, but we're not even going to play them. We're just going to sit them on the bench because we want you to see from the stands what we need from you. We need more from you. Warren Fogle, when he's playing well, helps the Edmonton Oilers. He, he if you put him on your third line, he gives you strength up and down the wing, or up the, up and down the wing. He can be a physical presence. But he has to be playing that, and it's got to be consistent. Uh, the coaching staff is saying, hey, ice time is, uh, a, is not given. It's a luxury. You've got to earn it. And they're saying so far in the last little while, you haven't. He'll be back in the lineup, but when he gets back in, he needs to play with, the, uh, with an edge. And when he plays with an edge, because it's... I mean, Jay Woodcroft more or less came out and said, Clem Costin gives us something that we don't have. I mean, Warren Fogel was supposed to do that. 7804960063. We have Frank standing by. Hi, Frank. Go ahead. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, kudos to the Oilers tonight for Ukrainian night. Reed, I enjoyed your interviews, and uh, there were a couple of good ones on television as well. It's a great and worthy cause. And I'm not sure if you guys know, but uh, tonight is actually Ukrainian Christmas Eve for many of our Ukrainian friends. And uh, I think we were given a lot of gifts today. An Oiler win, a great effort. Canada wins, and one of our own Edmonton boys scores the golden goal. And I want to add kudos to the people of Atlantic Canada, who I think may have uh, regenerated the junior tournament and uh, the whole Team Canada concept with uh, their participation and their support. Uh, not just Team Canada, but everybody down there in Eastern Canada. It was great to watch it again, and uh, it was great to see the excitement in, in there. And kudos to the players who I was watching, and uh, after the game, uh, they were signing autographs, taking pictures the whole nine yards. I think it was a great event and kind of a great gift for Ukrainian Christmas Eve. Well, Frank, we appreciate that. Good positive phone call. And I will attempt to give the score in Ukrainian. My mother will correct me if I make a mistake Seriously? by text. Edmonton Oilers Chatiri, New York Islanders Dva, 4-2 Oilers. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. And I believe... Uh, I think Ukrainian Christmas Eve is actually tomorrow, Frank, but close enough. It's the eve of the eve. <laughs> it's two weeks after, right? I don't I don't yeah. look at me. I have no idea. But still, good. And it was uh, it was good to have the uh, 
night for Ukraine. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking to uh, Vitaly before the show. Okay, 780-496-0063. We got Lane coming up, and uh, we'll get you more reaction from the Oilers dressing room as well. We are live in Studio 99. Oilers get the victory 4-2. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Tossed it off the boards to McDavid with speed through center into the Islanders zone. Romanoff got it off his stick and out. 547 to go here in the second. Good hit there by Costin. Well, Clean Costin delivers our crunch of the game for Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years and counting. Oilers win it 4-2 over the New York Islanders. I mentioned McDavid got to 500 career assists. Uh, Drysaddle gets to 400 career assists as he snaps that pass ahead to Hyman for his breakaway goal. Yeah, that was a pretty play. Uh, he First, he pickpocketed the New York Islander player behind him, to pick up the puck, took a little glance up, and Hyman knows. He says, he goes, okay, Drysaddle's getting this. I just have to get into a lane because he's going to hit me. And a nice play, nice move. Coming in with speed, went from right to left and right around Sorokin and a, a big goal at that moment. And you could see, I don't know if you noticed it, but Leon Dreisel gave a little extra fist pump at center when Hyman scored. He understood the importance of that goal. Oilers win at 4-2 over the Islanders. They will play Colorado here on Saturday. 6.30 face-off show game at 8 on 6.30. Ched, the Avalanche trailing the Canucks 3-2 with 2.38 left in the third period as we update the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals, your one-stop source for commercial trailer rentals. Visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Late in the third, Golden Knights up 5-2 on the Penguins. Early in the third, Bruins and Kings in a 2-2 tie. Predators 5-3 of the Hurricanes. UC Saros. 64 saves for the win ties the record for the third most saves in an NHL regular season game. Not bad. Rangers win 4-1 in Montreal. Flyers take down the Coyotes 6-2. Seattle, like they did in Edmonton, scoring four goals in the second period in Toronto to beat the Maple Leafs 5-1. Blues knock off the Devils 5-3. Capitals 6, Blue Jackets 2 is a final. And Dylan Gunther scores twice, including the overtime winner. Canada takes gold at the World Juniors 3-2 over Czechia. Yeah, big day for Canada. It was fun watching that, and it's always nice. Well, it's nice watching Canada win, but it's even more fun anyone here in the Edmonton area seeing a hometown kid score a goal that everyone will always remember but a memory he will never forget the golden goal 7804960063 we have Lane standing by hi Lane thanks for calling hey there my pleasure thanks for taking my call can you hear me okay yes okay great uh, I just I was just uh, wondering one of the things that we hear in the peanut gallery of uh, of YouTube comments is that uh, Ken Holland has had X number of years to put a team together around McDavid and he hasn't been able to. But my my question is when you've got two or three players who are taking such a huge chunk of the cap space, is it a reasonable expectation that a GM can actually? balance the team out when there's not that much left over well let me ask you a question first of all do you think the Oilers have improved since Ken Holland became the general manager yeah well I'd like to think so but sometimes there's some similar frustrations that keep us going you know I mean obviously we got further last year but uh 
but this year almost feels like the year Tippett got fired, and so it's hard to, you know, it's hard to Well, be that sure. was just last year. Yeah. So I wasn't well, I mean, long ago. I guess it was, yeah, I guess it was, wasn't it? So yeah. do we have to fire the coach again to get our momentum again, or, you well, know, I mean, like... The, the Oilers are, are not going to be judged on anything they do in the regular season as unless, long as they make the, play, the playoffs. As long as yes. they make the playoffs. So the Oilers could come in first in the Western Conference, and if they lose in the first round, it's a failure. But if they come in the second wild card spot and go to the Final Four, then it was a success. So as long as the Oilers make the playoffs, and the, the, then the Oilers will be judged starting then. The Oilers are a better team since Ken Holland took over. They went to the Final Four. Uh, the last time they went past the, the Final Four further was in 2006. So they are a better hockey club. Uh, could deserve some misses in Ken Holland's uh, hits and misses? Yes, he, he has made some misses, but he's made some huge hits. And he got Hyman, he got Kane. Uh, the Oilers, uh, to me, are, uh, I, I've said at the beginning, I say now they're going to be a playoff team. I, I guarantee it. And uh, there are things that they need to do to improve this team before this, the, the playoffs start, and I think that's what he's looking at between now and the trade deadline. The, and his question was, does, does having a couple players make a large chunk of the salary cap make it difficult? Sure, but you, you pay for off. I, I, what's Matthews and Tavares and Marner? Aren't they three of the seven yeah, but, highest played players in the but league? But they also talk in Toronto as they don't have players at that at their the bottom Leafs, ones but too. But the Leafs are doing better than the Oilers, so no, they, they clearly they are a again regular regular season though. True, they haven't won a playoff round, so are they a better team? But but to me, to circle back to a guy we've been talking about a lot tonight is. So you, you got to have the clean Cossons of the world come yep. through. You have to have the Brian McLeods of the world. Dylan Holloway. Come through. Dylan, Dylan Holloway. And yep. I, I know we can debate, and you and I have, yep. <laughs> should he be here, all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. That's a fair debate. Um, you know, you'd like to have the Pugliarvis and Yamamoto's of the world coming through mm -hmm. more often than they have. So, yes, I think it's challenging, but I, I think most GMs would take having, you know, two, three, four really awesome players on the team. Uh, I mean, Tampa Bay's done a great job building around them, and then sometimes they've had to let players go. You know, some really good uh, players I mean, you, look, you look at <laughs> Chicago in their peak, they had to let some players yep. go along the way. So, yes, I, I guess my answer to Lane's question would be like, yes, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. That's what the, that's the GM's job. It is, but you, you can't fill it with... Um, free agents you're not going to go out and overpay for a free agent to come here because you don't have the money to pay you have to draft and develop um and if you do that then those are the players contracts that will alleviate the pressure from your big contracts right i, I again the the others aren't going to be judged on this season until the the playoffs are over and how they finished so the again Let's not the other. I believe the others are a playoff team, and once they get in the playoffs, then we're going to start to see with the team that Ken Holland put together. Are they good enough? F to me, a final four or better is what this Oiler team should be shooting for for the next number of years because I do believe that they are the strongest team in their division, and that normally gets you to the final four. So I think to me, anything less than a final four will be a disappointment for the Edmonton Oilers. 4-2, the Oilers beat the Islanders. They had a couple chances at that empty netter to get the <laughs> fifth goal. <laughs> a couple guys uh, who dry slide had a chance. Yamamoto, I thought Yamamoto for sure was going to get it down the right wing. If they could have got to five, we would have turned on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That would allow you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca. We also have Brian on the line. Hey, Brian, go ahead. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. 
Um, you know, I was just going to say, I was at the game tonight, and, uh, you know, talking about our defensive game, you know, we've been, we've been uh, you know, what, what can you say with our offense? Um, you know, you get you get Dreisaitl, McDavid, um, two of the top players in the league. But the Oilers have been, <clears throat> you know, wh- whether you call it bad luck or um, whatever you call it on defense, uh, you know, when, when you lose a player like Sekret, I don't even know if they got anything when Sekret got hurt, when he left. Did they, did they get anything for him? No, he got bought out. Yeah. And uh, you lose a player like Larson. Uh, you cleft bomb. Um, and, then, and, then, and, then even, uh, and then even Duncan Keith. Could you imagine if the Oilers had even three of those guys on this team right now? This team would be unstoppable, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, just some food for thought. But a question I have is uh, the game tonight was that um, I noticed that Bouchard and um, uh, it was Bouchard and um, uh, Boberg, they were, they were uh, playing together at least one or two shifts. I wonder why they keep going back to putting those two together, being as young as they are, and, and the struggles that Bouchard has been having right now. Why would he, they put him with another young guy when there's when there's other guys on the team that are that are more veteran? I think they're trying to line match and they're trying to match up Bouchard and Broberg with um, third or fourth line players on the opposition. I think you're, that's your third pairing. I think. They're, they're not going to break up Nurse and CC because they're putting those guys out against the other team's top players. And then you got Kulak and Barry who have become the, the second pairing. So that's why I think they want to have a first pairing and a second pairing, and then they're going to find ice time for Broberg and Bouchard. So I think that's the way they're, they're setting it up, and that's why those two play together. Okay, Oilers win at 4-2. We'll get to more of your phone calls, and you'll hear from Kyler Yamamoto. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, 4-2 win for the Oilers, so they are 21-17-2 now on the season. The Islanders slip to 22-16-2. Oilers after the first, 4-2 after the second, no scoring in the third period. Campbell, the winning goaltender, Sorokin, takes the loss. We have Garrett on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Garrett, go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, boy, what a breath of fresh air that is tonight. 4-2 win for the good guys. I'd like to bring up a couple of points here. I think uh, McDavid playing with Coston and uh, Yammer, you know, on his wings, uh, really, really did the Oilers, are, you know, real service here tonight. And uh, to see Bouchard give uh, somebody an elbow in the chops, oh, that was uh, that was amazing. You know, it really was because what it did is it just kind of bumped up his level of edginess. And everybody that, you know, is kind of jumping on that wagon of let's get rid of him. I think that kind of would put it to rest just a, ever so slightly, move that, you know, the, the radar just ever so slightly. So uh, I'll hang up and uh, get you guys uh, to maybe speak on that point. Thanks a lot. Okay. Well, I I think the, the Bouchard backers are always going to be behind Bouchard, and Bouchard detractors are not going to think an elbow is going to make much of a difference. Um, uh, Bouchard, uh, actually, I, it was a, a low-event game for, for Evan tonight. I didn't see a whole lot great. I didn't see a whole, any real big mistakes in this game. It was a quiet game for Evan Bouchard, which 
uh, over the last few weeks, he's had some loud games. Maybe a quiet game is what he needed to give us, get his confidence back going a little bit in the right direction. Yeah, Bouchard played 15-41 tonight, shot on goal. A uh, couple other attempts blocked, missed the net, credited with a hit, the giveaway, and two takeaways. So take that for uh, what it's worth tonight. Yeah, probably a, a quieter game for him and helped by the fact that the Oilers were playing with the lead most of the night as well. I mean, really, tough sequence led to the first goal against for the Oilers. They had a couple chances mm -hmm. to clear it and didn't. And then, even before Fashing hit the post, Darnell Nurse passed it up the boards and it hit the ref. Yes. And and that uh, the Oilers got an opportunity off of that. That would have been a tough break given how it had been going for the Oilers after they'd been scored on in some recent games. Well, yeah, and they, the, the mistake, Kulak made a bad pass, Pugliarvi made a back, bad back check, and that might have been one of the reasons that he only got nine minutes in tonight's game. So they, the Islanders get back in the game with that goal in a game that they were totally dominated in, and then there was the, the turnover off the ref, and then the two-on-one, and it was, the Oilers got guys back. It was a very tight two-on-one. It was quick, but he got a great shot, and it went off the post. If that goes in... And we, we heard Leon Dreisaitl talk about it last game, that their team it has been a little fragile at times. When the other team scores, it seems like there's a deflate on the bench. If the Islanders would have tied that up, that would have went post in instead of post out. Uh, you wonder what would have happened in the game. But the Oilers got the break. The puck went into the corner instead of into the net. And from then on, the Edmonton Oilers just continued pushing forward, eventually getting it up to a three-goal lead at one point. Oilers' power play was one for four. The... Islanders' power play was 0 for 3, plus the Oilers got a shorthanded goal, so Edmonton wins the special teams battle as well. We don't see it a lot. We, we do see it, I don't know, maybe two or three times a year. Atu Ratu got the penalty yeah. tonight. You can't win a face-off with your glove because players like former Oiler Boyd Gordon used to do it all the time. Well, I'll tie up the guy's stick, quickly take my hand off or dip my hand down. They showed a great replay on the big screen because it was a tied-up face-off and the linesman like, was peering right down, watching for it, and... I, I felt a little bad for the kid because he didn't take his hand off the stick. I mean, he's probably just desperately trying to sweep it back, but it, it hit his glove. As yeah, he, he was it. probably trying to use the, 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 the shaft of the stick, but it just, the angle, and he used his glove. Uh, it, was, it was funny. Whenever a penalty like that is called, you see the confusion for the first second or two oh, when yeah. the whistle goes. They're all like, everyone's looking around, okay, why? What's going on here? Why did you blow the whistle? Because the linesman can call it, right? Yeah, well, the yeah. linesman does. Yeah. And you saw him. He started using his hand, making some hand signal, telling the ref that that's the penalty. Uh, it is an odd one. Again, two, three times a year at most. But for the, the Islanders, you don't want to take one of those penalties and give the Oilers a power play. So uh, a learning experience for the kid that made the play, but one that uh, hopefully learns from. I, to me, I don't know why they put that one in. I'm not sure what well, I think just because so many players were doing it, and I don't know. Uh, to me, well, you're allowed to use your hand to pass the puck in your own zone, so I don't understand why you can't do it in a face-off. And... The Oilers had a late power play in which they successfully played keep away, which yeah. they wish they would have done against St. Louis a few weeks ago. So Dreisaitl had a chance to... Pa who took the penalty? Uh, Pulak took the penalty. Yep. Yeah, Pulak took the penalty with, at 19-11 of the third. The, the referees can't award a goal on the empty net, but the player has to have a clear 
it, it's it's almost like if it would be a penalty shot if there was a goalie in. So I don't think they could say, well, Leon was going to pass him, so we'll give him. If he would have been clearly passed him, and it has to be on the offensive side mm -hmm. of center, they can actually award a goal with the empty net. And that's something we've seen, I don't know, a couple times since we've been working together. So, because uh, I, I know some people were asking that. How come they, well, they would just give Leon a goal? But you got to be more in the clear. I looked right away to the ref, too. I was like, okay, is he going to give him the goal? I, I don't know. My favorite one I've ever seen with that was one of the Stasny brothers had a breakaway on an empty net. All three Stasny's were on the ice, and Ulf Samuelson threw his stick, then threw his glove, then threw his other glove, and eventually they called it a good goal, but it was just that one guy. The other two guys didn't get the assist, so it was going to be Stasny from Stasny and Stasny, but Ulf, he, he's skating down the ice with no stick and no gloves on his hand, and the referee awarded a goal that time. So Leon did have another opportunity. With the, oh, actually, he earlier had the opportunity with the open net. I thought he was going to shoot it right away, and then he tried he to find waited, yeah. He waited, got a better angle, but a stick got in the way. So, yeah, the Oilers had a couple opportunities to get to five. But the best was when they played keep away. Leon was on the boards, and finally, like, okay, I don't want to play keep away. He went into the middle for a one-timer, and then he bobbled the puck. And then at that point, it's like, all right, you guys can have it back. So it was. it, it looked like when that power play looked like at the end of a basketball game, yeah. when one team's got an eight-point lead, they just stand there and bounce the ball, and everyone just stands there and watches the clock for it to end. That's what that looked like at the end of the night. It's always a good feeling when you're the team that can run out the clock because you know you got the victory in hand. Oilers beat the Islanders 4-2. Kyler Yamamoto had a shorthanded goal. You will hear from him when we get back to Heartland Ford Overtime Open. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Stolen by McDavid, trying to get it out. Fashion can't keep it in, and Yamamoto will get it out. He'll give it to McDavid over the line to Yamamoto on the right. He'll toe drag it, scores! Tyler Yamamoto! He goes five hole! by Yamamoto in the first period. Oilers win 4-2. Here's Yamo. Solid effort from you guys tonight when you needed it. It was the game you needed when you needed it. Sort of talk us through, you know, from the morning to the to the to game time, how you guys delivered on this. Uh, you know, after practice yesterday, we had a, you know, a little team meeting and just said we need to keep our foot on the gas. Um, you know, I feel like we came out strong in games and then kind of let our foot off the foot off the gas um, and, you know, let teams creep back in and, um, you know, win games. So I think our big, our big goal today was just, um, you know, keep pushing forward and, you know, never be satisfied. You had a bit of a moment there, like, you were up, they crawled back in and sort of, what do you have now? It seemed like you guys responded well in, in that moment at 2-1. Absolutely. There was a lot of chatter on the bench, um, you know, especially from our leadership. Um, you know, give a lot of props to them. Um, you know, they were really good, um, you know, today, pushing the guys and, um, you know, making sure we were um, still pushing forward. It's a good game. You do a lot of things you want to do. Is it a bigger picture thing, Zach? I mean, was just saying it's about what we do next here. Are we doing this again? Or can we put this together three nights in a row? Uh, is that, would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, this is just one game. Um, you know, I think we have 42 games left, so um, you know, it's still a long season. You know, there's a lot of hockey to be played. Um, you know, I think we're out of the playoffs right now, so we're still pushing for that, and um, you know, every game is going to be a different challenge, but uh, you know, I think this team's up for it. That is Kyler Yamamoto gets a goal tonight. The Oilers beat the New York Islanders 4-2. Next game broadcast is Saturday. A showdown against the Colorado Avalanche, who played tonight and were beaten 4-2 by the Vancouver Canucks. Face-off show at 6.30, game at 8. 
here on 630 Chet. Thanks to Troy Bowler and Kellen Kennedy for their technical work tonight. Oilers Hockey is presented by Friesen Brothers. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.